0: sometimes the way that the readings are parceled out and cut up and put so that uh so we have the proper readings at mass it makes a little bit awkward when you respond with uh the gospel of the lord praise to you lord jesus christ and today is one of those cases where better for you to cut out your eye and be thrown in the fire the gospel of the lord or there's other times in the old testament where it's just like they get done killing all these people and it's just like the word of the lord thanks be to god it's it's kind of funny how it always works out. Today, I think it's important for us in order to get a full understanding or a better understanding of how we interpret scripture uh, based on what we hear in our, our gospel today. Because if we take scripture literally in every case, then most of us are probably going to be run, running around without a hand or a foot or with an eye plucked out in some case. in some cases. And so we have to have this good understanding, as I spoke a few weeks ago about what tradition is and how it's handed down. It's good for us to understand how we read and how we interpret sacred scripture. So there's three criteria under which we understand and how we interpret uh, sacred scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit. Number one, it must be read with attention to the content and unity of the whole scripture. So it can't just, we can't just take one verse and pull that out and base our entire faith off of that one verse. We have to read the entirety, the entire, uh, scriptures in the unity and and with the same content and unity of all of it. It must be read within the living tradition of the church. In many ways, the Scriptures came out of the tradition of the church, and so we read the Scripture in unity with the tradition, what has been handed down to us through the ages. And thirdly, it must be read with attention to the analogy of faith, that is, the inner harmony which exists among the truths of the faith themselves. And so we read this, we read scriptures understanding that how we know faith is to be lived out. We read the scriptures and we interpret it in that manner as well. And so sometimes it's hard for us to understand uh, the depths of how we interpret scripture. But the good news is uh, we have the catechism that helps to outline this even a little bit more. in how we interpret scripture and how we read scriptures. Because the catechism goes on to say... We read it, uh, according to the ancient tradition, one can distinguish between two senses of Scripture, the literal and the spiritual. And then the latter, the spiritual, is divided, subdivided into the allegorical, moral, and anagogical senses of spiritual. So those uh, of the senses, and so those fall under the spiritual sense. The literal sense, of course, is the meaning that is conveyed by the words of Scripture and discovered by exegesis, Following the rules of sound interpretation. So exegesis is a study of scripture and how we come to understand it. All other senses of sacred scripture then are actually based off of that literal sense. How we understand it according to, to those three criteria that we gave earlier. And so what is the allegorical sense? Well, we can acqu- the allegorical sense is how we acquire a more profound understanding of the events recognizing their significance in Christ. Thus, the crossing of the Red Sea is a sign or type of Christ's victory and also of Christian baptism. So these events in Scripture give us allegory and point, point us always towards Christ. The moral sense reported in Scripture ought to lead us to act according to the way that Christ asks us to act. Or, as St. Paul says, all Scriptures are for our instruction. Instruction, And then in the anagogical sense... Uh, which means actually leading, we, re, we view the realities and events in terms of their eternal significance, leading us toward our true homeland. Thus, the church on earth is a sign of the heavenly Jerusalem. So everything that we read in the scriptures ought to be pointing us to eternal life and pointing us how to live through the moral sense and through the article, allegorical sense in order to lead us to eternal life. So having this basic understanding of the criteria of, of interpreting scripture, it's better, it's easier for us to understand what Christ is saying in the gospel today. Because we read the scriptures literarily, not, not necessarily literally, there's certain things we take literally, but we read it literarily and we can determine through our understanding, through these criteria of, of the inspiration of scripture of what is read literally, what is read literarily and so that we understand that what Christ is saying in the gospel today is hyperbole. He's not actually telling us to cut off our hands, our feet and plucking out our eyes. But I do believe that the scripture that Christ, that we are given today for our meditation is good for us to dive into a little bit deeper. And in a particular way, I want to look at our hands, our feet, And our eyes. If we think about our hands, our hands and our feet and our eyes, they all can help us to do good and to fulfill God's will in our lives. But also, each of them also can lead us into sin. And so, if we take our hands, for instance, our hands are meant to be there to serve, our hands are meant to be there to extend a helping hand. Our hands are meant to help the poor, to give to give a hand to, to someone who has less than us. And so our hands are there to do good. But, often ha- but what can also happen is we can take our hands and we can do evil. We can use them to hit someone. We can use them to murder someone. We can use them to sin against ourselves. We can use them to cause harm to others. And so we have this... We have this idea that Jesus is telling us that if there is something in our life that is causing us to sin, then we have to cut it and root it out of our life. Secondly, our feet. We can use our feet to take us to Mass. We can use our feet to go and walk amongst the poor. We can use our feet to travel to other countries to work with the less fortunate. But we can also use our feet to lead us away from God. Our feet can lead us into homes that are not good for us, and we know that every time that we go there, we fall into sin. We, our feet can lead us into other places, into, into friendships that actually lead us farther away from God. Psalm number one kind of helps explain this to us a little bit more. Psalm number one says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, uses his feet to walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners so they're using their feet to stand with sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so the ones who are blessed are those who follow the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who do not walk with sinners, but actually walk away from sinners and walk away from situations that are going to lead us into sin and actually lead us closer to Christ. I love that psalm, psalm number one, which sets up the entirety of the rest of the psalms, understanding that the law of, the, the law of God is there to help us and lead us to eternal life. And so it's a great opportunity for meditation upon our life and even a way for us to examine our conscience in many ways as well. Thirdly, the eyes. The eyes we can use, we often talk about the eyes being the gateway to the soul. So when we are conversing with other people that we look them into the eyes. We can use our eyes to help to see beauty, which lead us in, leads us into deeper contemplation. We can use our eyes to, to read scripture, to come to a deeper understanding of who Christ is through the scriptures. We use our eyes to study theology. We use our eyes in order to, in order to read the fathers of the church. We use our eyes to read uh, the, the spiritual masters in the life of the church to help us to understand what it means to grow in our spiritual life. We can use, also use our eyes for evil as well. We can use our eyes to consume media, media in a sense uh, uh, in which we pour, we fill our entire life with media, and it begins to cause a disturbance in the soul. It begins to cause a constant anger welling up within us. It begins to cause within us using our eyes to study, to read the media, to watch the media helps to cause to cause us to hate one group of people or hate another group of people. When we're always called to love, our eyes can lead us into moral sin, can lead us to looking at pornography and leading us down that route and into many sexual sins. Our eyes can lead us into lust. So we have to guard our eyes. We have to grow in virtue to make sure that we are looking at beautiful things. To look at beautiful works of art, to look at, uh, to look at the tabernacle, to look at Jesus and the, and the monsters on the altar when we have adoration, we use our eyes to do good. And so I think our hands and our feet and our eyes helps us to understand the good that we are called to do. And so with our hands, I think the, the question to ask is, what do you do with your hands? Are we doing good or are we doing evil? With our feet, it can ask us the question, where are we going? Are we we walking into the ways of sinners or are we walking into the ways of the blessed? And finally, what do you consume? Are we consuming good with our eyes and with our body? Or are we consuming evil and leading us farther away from sin? If we answer that these things are leading us into sin, then it's necessary, as Christ tells us, to cut them out of our life and to do so immediately. There can be no growth in the spiritual life if we are constantly filling our lives with mortal sin. The Catechism, paragraph 1861, says, Mortal sin is a radical possibility of human freedom. It's a radical possibility, meaning that freedom allows us to choose. This is a great gift that God has given us, making us in His image and likeness. Freedom is a great gift if we use it to its purpose and what God has intended it for. And so the paragraph continues. As is love itself. So we have the radical possibility to sin. We also have the radical possibility to love with our freedom. Moral sin results in the loss of charity and privation of sanctifying grace, that is the state of grace. If it is not redeemed by repentance and God's forgiveness, it causes exclusion from Christ's kingdom and the eternal death of hell. For our freedom has the power to make choices forever with no turning back. However, although we can judge that an act is in itself a grave offense, we must entrust judgment of persons To the justice and mercy of God. If we find ourselves in mortal sin, it's necessary for us to run immediately to the sacrament of confession as soon as we can to rid ourselves of that mortal sin. Because of what mortal sin does is it cuts us off from sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is what's necessary to get into eternal life. Sanctifying grace is the purification of our soul so we are made ready for eternal life. Mortal sin takes us out of that grace. And so we must run to confession to be placed back into that grace. Sin must be cut out of our life. And so let us make that effort to cut mortal sin out of our life so we may always walk in the ways of the Lord, that we always fulfill the true freedom that Christ has called us to.